Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. It's time for Sorallo Sports Talk with Joe Sorallo. It is episode 57 of Sorallo Sports Talk as we conclude things day five here at Radio Row from the Los Angeles Convention Center ahead of Super Bowl 56. This is the episode you've been waiting all week for. I have got my best guest lineup of the week. Broncos stud wide receiver Jerry Judy will be joining the show. Former Seattle Seahawks Pro Bowl D-back Marcus Trufant coming on. We've also got the Cincinnati Bengals legend Pac-Man Jones joining the show. And to conclude the best week in Sorallo Sports Talk history, Pat McAfee will be joining the show as well. I've got my game pick both straight up and against the spread in my final word. It seems that all my guests all week have been picking the LA Rams. We'll see if any of the four guys I got coming on today decide to side with the Bengals. But let's look at the quarterbacks in this game. Because all week we talk about, you know, the Rams and how this is the, I've been labeling it the talent versus toughness bowl. You've got the LA Rams who have six, maybe seven future Hall of Famers on their roster. And then the Cincinnati Bengals who have plenty of talent might have some Hall of Famers, but are so damn young and so tough, and they play with this looseness and this reckless abandon that has enabled them to get to exactly where they are this week, Super Bowl 56 in Los Angeles. But when we look at these quarterbacks, Matthew Stafford is a guy who is going to be a Hall of Famer. He's thrown for nearly 50,000 yards in his career. He is top 10 to top 15 in almost every statistical category among quarterbacks. But, of course, that championship, that postseason win up until this year has been elusive. And a large part of that is not his own fault, but rather, you know, playing in Detroit, right? We call it a life sentence in football. Matthew Stafford did not fall victim to the same life sentence that greats like Barry Sanders did when they retired at 30 years old in Detroit or Calvin Johnson did when he retired at 30 years old in Detroit. Matthew Stafford was able to get out and go to a team that put weapons around him, that surrounded him with talent, and you're seeing his talent shine even more now that he's in a better situation. And year one, out of Detroit, Matthew Stafford, the future Hall of Famer, has gotten to the Super Bowl. But then you look at the Cincinnati Bengals and Joe Burrow. And there are people this week that are actually saying that the Cincinnati Bengals and Joe Burrow did not belong in this game, that they got lucky, They were down 21-3 to Kansas City. If Kansas City takes the points, their season's over. And while that is true, to say that the Bengals do not belong in this game is just absolutely atrocious. I mean, this is a team that all year has overcome odds. They've overcome being underdogs. In fact, the Bengals forget, you know, in terms of gambling, covering the spread. The Bengals have won every game this season that they have been a road underdog in outright since week two when they lost at Chicago. Every time since then that they've been a road dog, they've not only covered, they've won outright. I have not seen a team in recent memory embrace the underdog status, the underdog mentality any better than this Cincinnati Bengals squad. And that all goes back to Joe Burrow. They have one of the most talented wide receiver rooms in the NFL. They have an incredible secondary. Joe Mixon was a top five back this year, but it all 
comes back to Joe Burrow. And I think in a year where just about a week ago, Tom Brady made his retirement official, I think it's appropriate to acknowledge the comparisons between Tom Brady and Joe Burrow. Because look, there are so many incredible talented quarterbacks in the league today, right? Look on the older end, you've got Aaron Rodgers, who just last night won his fourth MVP award, only one behind Peyton Manning for five for the NFL record. Rodgers is is nothing like Tom Brady, right? Nothing at all. And that ranges from his style of play to his lack of postseason success. Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady have nothing in common. Look at the young guys. Justin Herbert. I see no Tom Brady there. Josh Allen. Patrick Mahomes. Tom Brady is a unicorn. Now, I know he's the GOAT, but he's also a unicorn. He's one of one. So many guys in the league have more talent, more skill, but no one mentally is Tom Brady. And, you know, even Patrick Mahomes, I'm not by any means bashing Patrick Mahomes. He's the most talented quarterback in football. Last Super Bowl, now he had no offensive line, and that definitely hurt him, but last Super Bowl, in a battle of mentality, Tom Brady was so far ahead of Mahomes. Now, part of that could come with being a veteran. Brady, of course, had the advantage of being in his home stadium for the Super Bowl, but mentally, when you watched what was going on out on that field, there was no comparison. Patrick Mahomes was running for his life that entire game, and Tom Brady was out there with time. He was cool, calm, collected, composed under pressure. And that's why Joe Burrow is the closest thing we've seen to Tom Brady in the past 20 years. Because what Joe Burrow has above the shoulders, look, he is a really talented quarterback. He makes some great throws. But Joe Burrow does not have the strongest arm. He does not have the most accurate arm. He does not have the best legs underneath him of any quarterback in football, let alone any quarterback in his own conference. Mentally, he may be the toughest now that Tom Brady is retired. Joe Burrow is the ultimate competitor. And just like Tom Brady, Joe Burrow is an underdog. People don't want to acknowledge it. People who maybe aren't as close to the game, maybe those who are a little more removed from the game, look at Joe Burrow and they see that he was the number one overall draft pick a couple years ago and they think he is the golden boy right? The Trevor Lawrence, but Joe Burrow couldn't be any more different. This is a guy who was not the top recruit coming out of high school. This is a guy who couldn't even get a starting job at Ohio State. He was passed up for Dwayne Haskins, so he transferred. He left Ohio State despite being the Ohio boy, the Athens, Ohio native. He left his hometown school because he needed to play, and he would only get that shot at two places, Cincinnati or LSU. And going to LSU, didn't show immediate results. His junior year, he was very mediocre. LSU was still running that old school, eye formation, run heavy offense. But then the adjustments came. Then as a senior, Joe Brady comes in. And they switch up from a ground and pound team to an air raid offense. And Joe Burrow, with the help of guys like Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, Thaddeus Moss, gets to showcase his talents in front of the entire nation, goes 15-0, and wins a national championship. But it didn't always come that easy for Burrow. Even at LSU, it didn't come that easy. He was the underdog against Alabama. You know, he had to go beat Trevor Lawrence and Clemson in the championship game. He didn't just beat them. He blew them out. Then his rookie year in the NFL. Yes, at this point, he's the number one overall pick. Suffers a brutal ACL tear, a brutal injury. Bounces back just a year later to lead his team to where they are right now, to Super Bowl 56. There is no one mentally tougher in the league right now. No quarterback mentally tougher 
than Joe Burrow. He is the closest guy we will see, this next generation of football fans will see, to Tom Brady. And I'm not saying he's going to go win seven Super Bowls. I'm not saying anyone's ever going to go do that again. But in terms of a guy who can compete no matter what the circumstances are, Joe Burrow has that look in his eyes that is Tom Brady-esque. And whether the Bengals win, whether they even cover in this one, Joe Burrow is who's going to keep the Bengals in this game for 60 full minutes on Sunday. When we return, another young superstar in the AFC joins the show. Jerry Judy is all set to hop on. Stick around. I've got some great guests lined up. Plus, in my final word, I'll be revealing my pick to win and my pick against the spread in Super Bowl 56. So stick with me, Joe Serralo, right here on Serralo Sports Talk. We're back here on Serralo Sports Talk and kicking off day five, our final day from Radio Row ahead of Super Bowl 56. It is one of the best young wide receivers in the game, Denver Broncos star Jerry Judy. Thank you so much for joining the show. Thanks for having me. So, Jerry, looking at this season, the AFC West is one of the best divisions in football. Going up against Kansas City twice a year, Herbert and the Chargers twice a year, the Raiders even. How do you stay competitive in that tight division? Uh, you know, the competitive outbound would be competitive, so that, that that always been in me. So no matter what team we play, no matter who we're playing against, I'm going to always go out there and give my best and give my 100%. Now, how does it make you better as a wide receiver playing with such a competitive wide receiver unit? I mean, guys like Tim Patrick out there, Cortland Sutton, you have one of the best wideout rooms in the league. Yes, you know, so when you're around great guys, you don't got no choice but become great. So having those guys around me, you know, like, all the guys you named, Tim Patrick, Courtney Sutton, Cajun Hamlet, you know, they're all great guys. So, you know, you learn stuff from them that you add to your game to make you a better player and a better person and a better athlete. And not only is your wide receiver room great, but you also have one of the best secondaries in the league out yeah. in Denver. I've had Kareem Jackson on the show before. You got Pat Sertain out there. I mean, before I even talk about going up against those guys in practice, how fun is it having the Alabama connection all over Denver? You know, yeah, you know, it's fun having Guys that you played with at Bama and guys that former Bama players on the same team. So, y'all got a lot to uh, lot, uh, talk about. And, you know, going against other players that talk about, uh, that come from other colleges, and, you know, you can't really say too much when you talk, talk to guys that went to Bama because, you know, we always win it. Yeah. So, yeah, it's fun. Now, you and Patrick were there at the same time. How yeah. excited were you when he got drafted to Denver? Oh, I was very excited because also I know he, how great of a player and a person he is. Also, I know how much better he going to get me in practice competing against him. So, uh, I was really excited and uh, looking forward to it. Now, with a quarterback like Teddy Bridgewater, you know, unfortunately most teams don't view him as the guy for a five-year or a ten-year plan. But when you're a young team, how important is it to have a guy like him, such a stable veteran presence on the field with you? You know, you need a guy like Teddy, you know, great leader, um, great guy, uh, you know, do everything right, right. So, you know, as a quarterback, you need somebody that you can look, look up to. So, and Teddy is one of those guys, uh, and everybody on the team loves him, and yeah. Now, obviously, Vic Fangio was your coach for a couple of years out there. He is one of the best defensive minds in football. How exciting is it for you as a wideout to have Nathaniel Hackett as the new head coach, an offensive guru? Yeah, like you said, offensive guru. So it's pretty exciting, you know, uh, just the energy he brings to the, uh, the facility. You know, it's going to be a different atmosphere, and I'm excited to see what we have planned in the future. Now, speaking of the future, let's look ahead to next year. Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs aren't going anywhere. Justin Herbert's not going anywhere. What should we expect from the Denver Broncos in 2022? We're going to expect a lot of big things coming. No cap. You're going to see 
I can't say too much. You're just going to see. <laughs> All right. I like it. Let, let your play do the talking, right? Yeah, yeah no cap. So coming from Alabama, which is just, you know, a football factory, to going out in Denver and having the pressure of a storied franchise like the Broncos, how much easier was the transition because you had those expectations to win already in college? Can you feel that? Yeah, yeah. How much easier was the expectation to win with a great franchise like the Broncos when you're coming from Bama where every year the expectation is national title or bust? Yeah, you know, coming from Bama, you know, it's just a lot of winning and a lot of championship. Now, now you know, getting to the NFL, you know, every team good. So yeah. it's, a, it's a good game every week. So, you know, just in the competitive side, it's a good thing, you know, and uh, it's just exciting to just go out there and compete each and every day with these great players, great guys. Uh, yeah. How was the adjustment for you with the altitude up in Denver? Did that take a lot of getting used to? Yeah, man, let me tell you, when I first moved up there, going up the stairs was, oh, my God, it was like <laughs> running, running eight miles. But, you know, it takes about two weeks to get used to, but I, I'm pretty used to it now. It was tough at, at the beginning, but I'm pretty used to it now. And that's got to give you a big home field advantage when guys come in for one game and they're not used to it, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. You look across the sideline, you see – Players on gas masks can't breathe, so, you know, it's a huge advantage for us. Looking like Bane from Batman out there, <laughs> yeah, right? Facts, facts, facts. My man, you guys have one of the most young, exciting teams in football this year. Mm-hmm. I cannot wait to see what you accomplish. But with those talented wideouts, you know, we lost the Broncos legend this season, Demarius Thomas. With his passing, how much motivation did that, guy, did that give you guys to go out there and really live up to the reputation he built? You know... Yeah, you know, Jamal is talking a great guy, great player. Um, we heard a lot of great things about him. Um, rest in peace to him. Um, you know, it just gave a little extra motion, motivation to see, like, you know, we lost one of a, a great former Bronco. So, you know, we want to just go out there and show our, show our condolences, show our love towards him, to do everything that we need to do to just basically show love towards him. So, yeah. Well, Jerry, I wish you guys nothing but the best moving forward, but we are here for Super Bowl 56, the Bengals. And the Rams, I know you've dealt with both of these teams. You played Cincinnati this year. Watching Joe Burrow when your defense was out there, what stood out to you the most about him? Just how calm and relaxed he is in the pocket. You know, he just watched the field, um, never get too overwhelmed. Um, you know, very exciting guy to watch. And what about Jamar Chase? I know you had some great battles with him back in college. Yeah, What's so know, special about that guy? You know, I, I played against both Burrow and Jamar Chase in college, so, you know, they're great. They're a great one-two punch. Um, you know, Jamal Chase, great deep ball guy. Um, great hands, great route running, great run after catch. Um, I love watching his game. Love watching him play. Do you think they get it done? Uh, oh, man. Uh, I mean, the Los Angeles is a great team. They're both <laughs> great teams. Uh, but I don't think they get it done. I think I'm going to have to go with the Los Angeles Rams. Going with the home team, the yeah. L.A. Rams, huh? I'm going to have to go with the Rams. All right. Broncos stud wide receiver Jerry Judy, my man, thank you so much for joining the show. Thanks for having me. We'll be right back here on Sorallo Sports Talk. We're back here on Sorallo Sports Talk. It is day five, the fifth and final day ahead of Super Bowl 56 here at the LA Convention Center. And joining the show now, it's a really special guest, former Pro Bowl D-back and Seattle Seahawks legend, Marcus Trufant, man, thanks so much for joining the show. No problem, man. appreciate you for having me. It is great to have you on. You know, I've got a lot of connections to your old Seahawks team, uh, especially one of my closest friends, Lofa Tatupu. Be honest, how difficult was he to deal with on a daily basis? <laughs> Lofa is the um, a consistent prankster, jokey joke. Um, love the guy, though. Yeah. Love Lofa's energy, man, and... Um, 
He's actually a pretty good friend of mine too, man. So I'm not gonna step in your space. <laughs> I'm not gonna step on your toes. But I got um, a lot of love for Lofa. Bro. Hey, I'm not competing with you, man. There's love to go <laughs> around. Right. So not, not just Lofa, but the rest of that Seahawks team in '05 that made Super Bowl 40 out in Detroit. Man, how special were things on that defensive side of the ball? You had some all pros, some pro bowlers. What was that team like? Right, man. It was different, man. At the time, Seattle didn't have all the pub, right, or all of the love, all the um, stuff that the new Seahawks are getting now. And it's no um, hate or nothing like that, but it was a different time. There really wasn't no social media, really. Um, I guess I'm dating myself with that. But (laughs) um, it was hard work, man. But we kind of leaned into that, that we were kind of the underdogs. And we took that and just ran with it, man, and made it ours. And we kind of supported ourselves, right? And we used it as fuel, and it gave us a chip on our shoulder, and it worked. Now, defense has been, up until the very recent years, a consistency in Seattle for the better part of a decade. You know, unfortunately, you just missed that Super Bowl-winning team by a season. But you mentored all those guys, Richard Sherman, Byron Maxwell, Chancellor Thomas. What was so special and unique about that legion of boom that you were a part of? Are you giving me the credit for all those guys? Absolutely, I'll take it. Absolutely. I'll take it. You're the mentor, I'll take man. It. You should right. have a ring, too. Um, yeah, man, uh, seeing those guys grow and, and uh, play early and kind of wait their turn, I guess, so to say, you, you can kind of see the writing on the wall, um, the things that these guys would do in practice, just the kind of conversations they would have and how they wanted to really get out there, um, just showed that they had what it um, took just to really be that top-tier um, group. And you and it's hard to find a group like that. And they've been trying to replicate it ever since. And you can't talk about the Legion of Boom without talking about the defensive linemen. Uh, Cliff Averill, Mike Bennett, um, guys like that that were really making it happen. And the defensive front always makes the defensive backfield's life much, much easier. Absolutely. You pressure the quarterback, give him less time in there, man. And all of a sudden, guys like Sherm, guys like yourself, your job gets a lot easier. Absolutely, absolutely. Have you ever seen a secondary as good as the one that you guys had in 2011, 12, 13? I don't think so, no. But um, those type of guys, it's hard to get that many guys in one room, right? Um, Mm -hmm. Guys that eventually um, are able to make a lot of money. So that's really the thing. Guys um, went lower in the draft pick. You talk about guys like Richard Sherman that outplayed his draft status and you come in um guys like cam chancellor um guys that can really make it happen that have this out of this world size but they move around like they're a small guy it's hard to find those type of guys guys like earl thomas fast to the ball speed a knack for interceptions and making big plays it's hard to replicate that it takes a lot of luck and um yeah it's pretty much like winning the lottery bro so Yeah. yeah Look, there are not too many day three draft picks that become as successful as you guys had in Seattle. One guy who was not underdrafted is yourself. First round draft pick out of Washington State. I mean, you're a Washington boy through and through. Born and raised there, college ball. So when you got drafted, when you got the call from the Seattle Seahawks, was that a blessing for you or was that a curse? Because (laughs) I've heard of some guys say when they get drafted, it's better to go far away. You don't have people asking you for stuff constantly. So how was the transition? Was it easier or harder being in Seattle? I felt like it was great, man. It was a blessing for me to be home, to be able to play in front of my friends and family. Um, 
all the people I went to school with, all my teachers, all the people I went to church with, right? So there is pressure there, and you have to deal with stuff like tickets and every blue moon, maybe somebody might ask you for a loan or a payment or something like that. <laughs> really? But, but you deal with that, and I had some awesome gatekeepers. My parents, they it took care of me. They kept away the people that didn't need to be near me, and the people that wanted to be close to me, that was there for um, positive reasons. I mean, it worked out. So to have that kind of love and support at home is um, a lot of guys don't get that. So I really appreciated it. And, um, man, I wouldn't change it for anything. Well, you certainly have a tight-knit family. You have an incredible football family. In fact, for the last 18 years, there has been a Trufant brother in the NFL. But you've also started the Trufant Family Foundation. So tell us a little bit about your mission with that foundation and what you look to accomplish. Yes, the Trufant Family Foundation, I started, um, I was drafted in 03, right? So the first thing I wanted to do was to be able to give back to a community that gave to me as a young man. And that's what we've been doing for a long time. We've been doing events in the community, and this was pre-COVID, right? And we always wanted to be able to bring family together, kids to go uh, together, old and young and just make it happen. So we've supported so many causes, um, breast cancer, sickle cell research, everything. And now we're focused on education. We give scholarships to a bunch of the high schools in Washington. And these are renewable scholarships that the kids can come back year after year and continue their education and just continue to work, man, and gain experiences, get um exposure and that's really what it's about i think as a, a kid that may come from a community where there's not a lot of options but if you give them experiences and exposure to different things you never know what track that's going to put them on to be the next doctor be the next president so why'd you do it why'd you get so involved was there someone in your younger years who helped you a foundation who helped you i mean it's so easy for these guys as first round draft picks to just get caught up in the limelight what helped you stay so grounded I think it was my parents, man, or I know it was my parents. It wasn't that it was one person or it wasn't like this athlete came back or whatever to do that, but my parents have always been, they've instilled in me and all my brothers that you want to give and you want to help others if you can, right? So that's the first thing I wanted to do. I knew I was local. I was here. I knew there was kids that was just like me. As a kid that are looking for direction or they're looking for a way to go. So I wanted to be a part of that. And that's amazing, man. You're doing incredible work. So on behalf of everyone that you've helped out, thank you for what you're doing. You also have your own media company. Yes. And your incredible show, The Barbershop Show, is on there as well as I believe you and your wife have your own show yes, as well. Yes, yes. And so I have to ask you, when, when so many athletes go to the ESPNs, the Sirius XMs, why did you opt to start your own media company? I did that because you can control your own, right? Mm -hmm. I went through the dance of um, doing the traditional media and kind of um, kind of knocking at the door I mean, trying to get your foot in the door, trying to do some different things, and you have a little bit of success, and then sometimes you don't. But when you can control your own destiny, I mean, it's nothing like that. And being able to do podcasts, you know, you can take the gloves off and you can pretty much do anything, right? Be so yourself. We do, yeah. So the um, podcast I do with my wife is called Truly Unruly, right? So we talk about marriage, the ups and downs of being an athlete, of being a stay-at-home mom, and just everything that comes with five kids and a dog. So it's um, a good show, and it gets crazy. It gets unruly, but that's the podcast world. You could do that. Then the barbershop show, we talk about sports, everything under the sun. If you walk into a barbershop, it's kind of the feel. 
everybody sits down and some people getting their haircuts and then there's really people just there to talk trash and argue, right? And that's what the barbershop show is about. Every barbershop has a regular in it, at least every good barbershop. Yep. Who you never see getting his haircut. He's just there talking. 100%. 100%. I love it. I love the shows, man. Hey, looking at the Seattle Seahawks now, obviously there's a lot of question marks surrounding the defense, but also a giant question mark surrounding Russell Wilson. I think it would be an absolute travesty if he didn't finish out his career with the Seahawks. What do you think his future holds? Um, I agree with you that I think it would be an absolute travesty. I haven't used that yet today, but I like that. Yeah, <laughs> you can yeah. take that with, uh, with you the rest of the all night. All right. But um, starting over from Russ, man, I don't think that's the way to go. It's hard to find a Russell Wilson, right? And I know that would be the plan if they got rid of him. They have to start from scratch and kind of rebuild. But having Russ on the team, I think, is a great start. You start from there. And um, just like you, I think it would be great if he could finish his, um, his career in Seattle if he wants to. And, again, nobody knows exactly what Russ is thinking. He, he may have his eye on the prize somewhere else, maybe want to do some other things, play in a different market. I don't know. But just as far as football and me being selfish, I would like to see him stay. Well, Marcus, the wrong team from the NFC West is playing in the Super Bowl this weekend. We're here for the L.A. Rams and the Cincinnati Bengals. A lot of great D-backs in this one. Jalen Ramsey, Jesse Bates. Which team do you think comes out on top? This is going to be a hell of a game. Um, the young the young gunners of the Bengals is really doing their thing, man. You got Joe Burrow. He, he's been playing some great football, and he's really rolling. But I want to go with the veteran savvy of the Rams. A lot of star power over there. Odell Beckham, Cooper Cup, Von Miller, Aaron Donald, uh, Matt Stafford, um, all the guys, Jalen Ramsey, just like you said. So it's going to be – I would like to see them make that happen. They're getting older. You can't play for long, so give them a Super Bowl, and the Bengals might get another chance. Bengals are going to have another chance. The right. Rams have six or seven Hall of Famers on right. their team, so a ring would complement those resumes nicely. Former Pro Bowl D-back Seattle Seahawks legend Marcus Trufant, man, thank you so much for joining the show. Absolutely. Thanks, bro. We'll be right back here on Serralo Sports Talk. We're back here on Sorallo Sports Talk, day five of Radio Row, live at the L.A. Convention Center ahead of Super Bowl 56. And joining the show now, it is a Cincinnati Bengals legend, former All-Pro cornerback, Adam Pac-Man Jones. Pac, thanks so much for joining the show. No problem, man. Thanks for having me. It is great to have another co-host on the Believe Podcast Network on with me. Had Solomon Wilcox, who, yeah. of course, you do Believe in Bengals with earlier in the week. Man, how much fun is having a show talking about your old team? Oh, it's good, man. It's always good when you win it, too. So this has been uh, electrifying, uh, a great experience. Uh, and it's always good when you can talk about winning. So these guys have, have made it fun for us to talk about them this year. And, uh, man, I can't wait to see what the future brings. And can't wait for this big game tomorrow. Man, it's going to be a hell of a game this weekend. And the winning culture in Cincinnati, to see them go from six wins the last two seasons to what they've done this year, did you see it coming, or is this ahead of expectations for you? Um, I, I seen it coming around about week 12. Um, I said that they would win the LC Championship. Oh, wow. um, at the beginning of the season, I just knew that they would at least be a playoff team. But um, with the offseason moves that they made with getting Chase, with um, getting some of the defensive guys and the defensive back um, uh, with Bill and, and Apple and um, Trey Hopkins, uh, those guys um, – They've been playing at a high level. Now, so much is made of this team's offense. Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, of course, that fantastic connection they've had for the last four years going back to LSU. But you mentioned Hilton, Apple, Jesse Bates was on my show a year ago, and 
He is just one of the Jesse, best safeties yeah. in the game. What's this secondary like for you, a former defensive back on the Bengals? Oh, man, they're playing really good right now. Jesse's getting them in a, a good position. <laughs> Jesse, have, uh, he, he, he lead by example. You know, he played at an all-time high last year. Um, he's playing at an all-time high this year. Um, he's up to get paid, so everybody over there, it's time to pay Jesse. <laughs> Absolutely. He, he's done his due diligence. It's definitely time to pay Jesse. So, man, um, I think he'll get rewarded after this game or this season. But um, he's playing good, man. It's always good to have a quarterback on defense, and I think he's the quarterback. Now, Pac, about a month ago, the Bengals ended their 31-year winless playoff drought what did it mean for you to see that finally come to an end? Oh, it was it was it was good, you know. Mostly for the city, you know. The city has been waiting on that for years. We we gave it five tries and we weren't able to get over the hump, but um, these guys was able to get over the hump and do some more, and um, that's why we're here today. And kudos to the city of Cincinnati, the owner, Mr. Brown, the uh, the people in the front office, Duke Tobin, um, Troy, Katie. Um, it's a good day for me. It's, it's, it's a good season for him, and it's a big day coming up Sunday for him. So, Pac, you said it. I mean, you gave it five tries, and you guys had some incredible talent on your Bengals teams. You, Vontez, on the defensive side of things, AJ on offense. Why couldn't you get it done come the postseason? Um, you know, things happen. You know, um, Me, personally, I, I think you start with the quarterback. You know? <laughs> so, um, the game that we should have won, AJ McCarron was the quarterback. I, I kind of think that we should have stayed with AJ. Uh, after that, too. Really, really. So yeah. you don't think Andy Dalton was the was the best option you had in Cincinnati? Um, he was, but I think AJ was more of a, more of a gamer. You know, mm-hmm. um, he played really good for us when he got his chance to play. Absolutely. So. Now, if you had had a quarterback like Joe Burrow on your Ooh. teams with the talent you guys had, what, what would the ceiling have been? I don't know. Man. You know, if woulda, coulda, shoulda. <laughs> I know it would have been a lot better than what it was. Yeah, I hear you, man. So I have to ask you about one game in particular, and it's it's your best chance that you had at winning a playoff game, the 2015 wild card against Pittsburgh. When you look back at that game, man, what could have gone differently? You had the Steelers against the Rose. Yeah, man, um, we got to protect the ball. You can't fumble the ball with a minute 20 going in. We thought the game was over with, you know. And we come back down and, and make a rule that the coaches shouldn't come on the field now. But, you know, a lot of things could have went different in that game. Man. We came a little short, but... And that's a part of life, man. You, you come short sometimes, you figure out how to make it meet the next time. Yeah, you were definitely the better team for 58, 59 minutes in that one. Hey, looking at this team, you know, we talked about Joe Burrow and how much he could have helped you guys playing back in the day. Jamar Chase, is he a guy that you would love, you know, prime Pac-Man Jones to go up against? Oh, yeah. Jamar Chase is the real deal, man. You know, being that first-round guy, you're always trying to go against the best of the best, so. It's always good to go against the best. You never shout out for those moments. And then enjoy the moment. You know? What separates him from, you know, a defensive back's perspective? What about him is just so incredible? Oh, he's good. He's good with separation. He's good in and out of his breaks. Um, and he's play, he played at a high speed. You know? and he's one of the kids that plays like driving the car without a seatbelt. So, <laughs> uh, he's a re- he really good. You know, he got some stuff that he can critique himself on and get better next year. But he's a really good player. He's going to be around a long time. And um, I think he'll be one of the greats. So, Pac, looking at the Rams now, your opponent this weekend, you've got a guy like Jalen Ramsey, who is a future Hall of Fame cornerback. And how difficult is it going to be for Burrow, for Jamar, 
to go up against Ramsey and the rest of that defense, guys like Aaron Donald, Von Miller, all future Hall of Famers? Oh, it's going to be a tough task. It's by far the, the toughest task that he has faced uh, right now. So, uh, this is Super Bowl, man. This is going to be – we got to study, 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 bring out all the marbles, and um, lay them down and see how they play out. Now, you said Jamar, the way he plays, it's like driving a car without a seatbelt. That's the way this whole team plays, right? They've got yeah. that loose attitude, that reckless abandon. Is that ultimately going to help them or hurt them on Sunday? Um, I think it's going to help them, man. You know, them guys, what do they have to lose, man? They, they've been the underdogs for how many weeks? You know, everybody have counted them out, and they still came to perform every week. Um, they've came back from, what, double-digit games four times this year and came back and won. Um, Should have won the San Francisco game when they came back from yeah. that one. But um, it, it's, I don't think it's too much pressure on them. On the other hand, the Rams have a lot of pressure on them. They built this team to go to the Super Bowl and um, to win it. So we'll get to see what's going on here in a little while. Well, Pac, before I let you go, man, all of my guests this week are taking the Rams. They're taking the home team, the future Hall of Famers. What's your prediction for how this game unfolds? Um, I'm going to take Bengals. I'm going to go 24-17. I love it. Pac-Man Jones, former All-Pro and Cincinnati Bengals legend. Thank you so much for joining the show. Thank you. We'll be right back here on Serralo Sports Talk. All right, it's time for the interview that you've all been waiting all week for. We are closing out Serralo Sports Talk Day 5 from Radio Row with the legend, Pat McAfee, my man, thank you so much for joining the show. Bro, you're the legend, Joe, man. I've been seeing you all week. Obviously, the first day you didn't have the chain on or the turtleneck. A little more low-key. A little bit more low-key. Then I saw Showtime, Joe Time, and you look amazing. I'm excited to be here. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. You look great, too, man. I love the black tank every day this week. Consistency is key. Yeah, me and Steve Jobs, you know, his brain a little bit better than mine, uh, a lot a bit better than mine. He changed the world. But I learned something from him about why he wore the black turtleneck every day, the dad jeans and the dad shoes, because he said he didn't want to make any decisions in the morning about what he's wearing. So he made a costume, basically, so it was just easy to go in there. I have 55 to 60 of these. And I, <laughs> I, literally, I literally just go to my closet and I just take one. All right, what pants am I wearing? Boom, we're off and running. Uh, someday it'll end, but... It doesn't seem to be any time in the near, in the near future. That's electric. Well, look, you I don't, don't have to make tough decisions. It's easy, though. It's very it, easy. It's easy. You don't have to make tough decisions getting dressed. But yeah. when it comes to work, you had to make some tough ones. We got Foxy over here. Yeah, yeah. How easy was the decision for you to just decide, hey, I'm leaving ESPN. I'm leaving Barstool. I'm working with my boys. Well, I think, you know, there's a lot that goes into that. Because when I was playing in the league, I had a podcast. I did stand-up comedy tours. I had my own merch business. I, I basically had an internet business, but I didn't fully understand what it was. So when I got a chance to join the Barstool Network, I didn't want to move to New York. I was able to kind of run my own operation in Indiana while learning on how the advertising and how the internet game works. So I've been very fortunate to get to learn from a lot of people, and a lot of decisions came pretty easily because it felt like the universe was like, hey, now is the time to go. Obviously, it's all worked out. And if it failed miserably, people would be saying different things. But I've been very, very lucky, and it just felt like the universe has told me when to go and do some stuff. Yeah, it's worked out, man. Congrats on the new deal with FanDuel. That oh, is thanks, absolutely amazing. Yeah, it's stupid. It's, 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 stupid. Yeah. it's stupid. Nobody deserves that type of money, but somebody's going to get it, so we might as well get in there. And FanDuel obviously took care of us. Our stage is so stupid, but they're a great partner. Uh, we have others, and I'm very, very thankful for the number one sports book in America being like our biggest partner, obviously, and also being very good at what they do. It's, uh, it's an easy relationship. I'm very lucky for it. I got a feeling you're going to be getting your own, man. You've been hustling all week. I appreciate it, I have it, a man. lot I of respect so. for your hustle this week, man. Thank I really you. like it. I appreciate that. Well, look, you know, 
before uh, sports betting became legalized in New York a few weeks ago. Yeah, huge. My bookie, or old bookie, I should say, is standing to our left. I'm not going to name any names, but Tyler's right there. Man. And let's talk same-game parlays for the big game. Okay. What is your McAfee can't-miss same-game parlay? I haven't put it together yet. I haven't put it together yet. That okay. will be, uh, we will have a risk-free same-game parlay for the Super Bowl that we have been crafting. Feels good that there's going to be quarterback rush props on that. I've got so that in. Everybody thinks that Joey Burrow is going to have to run for his life. Matthew Stafford is always going to try to make a play, so you think he would probably run as well with the high-energy D-line. So you're going to see some of those props. I believe Odell Beckham Jr. is probably going to score a touchdown, mostly because I think McVay wants Odell Beckham Jr. to score a touchdown in the Super Bowl, so they're going to make that happen. So I think there's a couple locks that I'm going to put together to probably get some good odds on it, maybe some good juice. Maybe we're able to boost it a little bit. We shall see. But I have no idea what's going to happen in the game. The Rams could win by 50, and we'd all be like, yeah, that makes sense. makes sense. And the Bengals could win, and we'd be like, yeah, it makes sense. So I'm trying to stay away from the game, I think. But I feel like there are some good good nugget props within the game that should be fantastic. And your bookie, I'm sure he did a great job. He's got – Great dress game all <laughs> all week. He's been dressed very professionally. Yeah. He's got great glasses. I assume he won a lot of money and it's going down bad. Uh, but we need to win this Sunday. We need to rake everybody, uh, every sports book, for every dollar they have at the Super Bowl. How do you feel about your boy McPherson in this game? I mean, he is just the most fun kicker to watch in football this year. His cockiness, the way he looked at Joe and just said, because we're going to the AFC Championship game, is he going to play a big part? Yeah, it's uh, yeah, the kicker is always important in the big games. So in, it doesn't matter till it matters, right? It's something that's kind of said. It's like uh, how you run the ball, how you stop the run. It doesn't matter in a 17-game season as much as it does like, hey, when the games actually matter, when you lose and you go home and you're playing against the other good teams that are good. It's like those details that show up. And if you have a bad kicker, you're probably not going to win the Super Bowl. That's just how it is. got to have a good kicker. So McPherson being able to come in as a rookie with the swagger, the moxie, and the talent that he has has been nothing short of miraculous. I love him. I enjoy watching him. He's trying to break Vinatieri's record in his first year. He's got that incredible killer instinct, which I like. Uh, so I love him. But let's not forget Justin Tucker. Like that AFC North is Evan McPherson, Justin Tucker, Chris Boswell. And I think Cleveland is figuring out their entire thing. But that's the hardest division to kick in. And they got three of like the top five kickers in the NFL right now. So yeah. it's electrifying. And I'm very happy and pumped for Money Mac getting into the Super Bowl as rookie year. I mean, I think it would be amazing as a rookie if this thing came down to him kicking a game. Yeah, and it's going through. Yeah. Like that's, he's a little Vinatieri. Okay. Like, I think he, I view him as a little Vinatieri, like super competitive, very athletic, a little bit of a smaller guy, but bombs balls. So if he, the only other person that's ever kicked a game winner in a Super Bowl is Adam Vinatieri. He's done it a few times. I think McPherson is ready for the moment mentally, and that's the most impressive thing about him. He's an absolute stud. Well, Vinatieri's the only guy to kick a game winner. You've kicked off a Super Bowl. Come on. My man, you've done so many amazing things. We talked about the FanDuel deal, kicking off a Super Bowl. What's the coolest thing, in your opinion, you've done, not just in your career, but your life? So I was doing a show um, for St. Bonaventures, and <laughs> I was chatting with a guy wearing a turtleneck with a chain, and uh, all right, all right. lady was there. I think that is probably dream moment. No, I don't know, man. I try to enjoy everything. I honestly try to enjoy everything. Like I, I think that is something that I have a capability of doing that I don't know if a lot of people do. A phone just fell over there because of my leg hitting this table. <laughs> but um, I try to enjoy everything. Yeah. Like, literally, I try to enjoy everything, even if it's a terrible thing. 
I try to just like make the most of it because I know the story about it is going to be hilarious going forward. So I've been very fortunate to do a lot of big time things, a lot of very cool things, negotiating my own deal with FanDuel, probably the most gratifying and fulfilling thing I've ever done in my entire life, obviously, yeah. because it's an entire process and they're very good folks. Um, but yeah, man, there's, I'm very, very lucky, very, very fortunate to do incredibly cool stuff. And hopefully all the stories are just the same. You know, they're all good and that's all we're really looking for, you know. Well, look, man, you've had an awesome life, and you do pay it forward. I want to mention the Pat McAfee Foundation because you do some awesome works there with the children of military personnel. Why did you go that route? What made you start that foundation and ultimately decide to give back? Okay, so uh, when you're young in the NFL on Tuesdays, you do Community Tuesdays. Mm-hmm. Community Tuesdays, you get a chance to go and meet a lot of different, you know, charitable organizations. You're building a home, you're going to a hospital, you're meeting with the military, you're doing all this stuff, and you're trying to, like, basically integrate yourself with the city you're in while also trying to help people and see what you want to get into to maybe make your own, like, kind of cause. Uh, And for me, I think as soon as I met the military families, it was something I wanted to do. My brother's best friend growing up went over to Iraq. Uh, He served. He had a uh, discharge because he got blown up basically over there. He ended up being okay. But once I saw his sacrifice and his family go through it, and then whenever on those Tuesdays I was getting a chance to see military folks and their families, and I went on a USO tour where I saw like the families had to move to Japan because the mom or the dad was serving. It's just how do we help these people? Uh, because it's an entire family of service. My dad and I put it together. Uh, we did it. We've been given, we've given over, I think, like five hundred, six hundred thousand dollars in scholarships, and hopefully that'll only continue. And very, very lucky, obviously, uh, for all parties involved. Well, my man, it's incredible work that you do. Before I let you go, I do want to mention something. You see my smoke show girlfriend over there. She's an LA girl. I'm a New Yorker. We have a deal that we are either going to live in New York or Los Angeles together. We cannot do any other cities. But a few months ago, you made an announcement that it was time for some of your boys to go on to bigger and better things and do their own show. Yeah. And when you made that announcement, I hand wrote you a letter. Ah. I was ready to leave her, leave the no, L.A. No. New York rule and move to Indianapolis uh, no. to be a part of the Pat McAfee show. I still have that letter in my room. I haven't what? sent it out yet, but I, I have a handwritten letter saying I will forego my relationship, my career do goals don't and work do for you. Obviously, don't do that. I appreciate that. Uh, don't do that. Yeah, the boys have become such an incredible brand yeah. uh, by themselves in their show. The pod is so damn good. And I thought it became time for them to kind of do their own thing. They didn't let me do that, though. They were like, no, we're not going to do that, even though I don't think that's good business by them. Yeah, terrible business. I need a job, Foxy. Come on, move on. Terrible (laughs) business for you, but also for them, I think, like, Foxy wouldn't have gone anywhere. But uh, for the boys, like, I'm very thankful for them. And I thought it was time for them to kind of go and do their own thing and kind of take over the world, which I think they all have the ability to do. I'm very lucky to work with them every single day. They said, no, they don't want to do it. So whenever we do think about expanding, I would definitely remember your work ethic, your persistence. I'll remember this interview. And I love the fact that you're willing and ready to kind of give up everything to do it because that's what literally all of us did to kind of start this business. So that's good news. Pat, you're the best. Thank you so much for joining us. Where are you guys going to go, L.A. or New York? Ooh, we'll see. We'll see. I'm, I'm leaning LA right now. I'm leaning LA right the now. The weather's incredible. Yeah. And if yeah, you make you any be. money, they're going to take all of it from you. <laughs> New York, but they do the same the thing. The weather is perfect. Yeah. I mean, every single day you wake up, it's hard to have a bad day whenever you walk outside and it's just like gorgeous. I'd rather be broken hot than broken freezing. So LA, it might be. That's a good way to look at it, Joe. <laughs> and also, it feels like she probably would like to stay out here. I'm not 100% sure. 
And, yeah, uh, yeah. And, and when you look like that, usually you make the final decision. Hey, I want to let you know, that is very awesome, the relationship you two have. Don't throw it away for anything. I think this is something that not a lot of people have. You should enjoy that. I appreciate that, no problem. Pat. Have a good one, brother. We'll be back with my final word on this final Radio Row episode of Serralo Sports Talk. Go Bonnies, right? Is that what we're doing? Yes, sir. Yeah, yes, let's sir. go, man. All right, it is time for my final word on this episode of Serralo Sports Talk as we wrap up another incredible, successful week at Radio Row ahead of Super Bowl 56. It is wild to imagine that this has been my fifth consecutive trip to Radio Row to cover a Super Bowl. And as promised, I have to deliver. I have to deliver on my best bet for this game, as well as who I think is going to win the football game. Now, as my buddy Brandon Lang of BrandonLang.com reminded me yesterday, 44 of the 55 Super Bowl winners have also covered the spread. So there has been up until this point an 80% chance that if you win the game, you will cover the spread. That's something to keep in mind when you're dealing with a line of four, four and a half like we've seen on various books this week. And I have a record that I need to uphold. I nailed it on my first three trips to the Super Bowl. Super Bowl 52. Popped my cherry in Minneapolis, took the Eagles underdogs money line to beat the Patriots. They won it. Super Bowl 53. I was not betting against Tom Brady two years in a row. Took the Pats minus three and a half. Pats beat the Rams 13-3. Super Bowl 54. All over Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. Didn't look good for three quarters, but they won. They beat the Niners and they covered. And then last year, for the first time in my Radio Row history... I lost. I took the Chiefs, minus two and a half, got cocky, thought Kansas City was going to beat Tampa Bay in their home stadium, and I lost my first Super Bowl bet since covering the game. So I have a responsibility to myself and to you to get back in the win column and make everyone a little money. So Super Bowl 56 in Los Angeles for the second straight year, a team is playing in the big game in its own stadium, and... You saw the effect that that had on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers last year. Kansas City was the more talented team, but Tampa Bay ran them out of not just the stadium, but the city. 31-9. And we saw how big of a factor it was being able to stay home all week, not having to travel. Of course, with COVID regulations, the Chiefs didn't get into Tampa Bay until Saturday, the day before the game. They treated it like any other road game in that NFL season, and it crushed them. Well, now the Rams are the home team. The Rams are the team that have experience. They've been in this game just four years ago, Super Bowl 53. Sean McVay got there, the offensive guru that he is, didn't score a touchdown. Aaron Donald got there, the future Hall of Famer that he is, lost. The Rams are experienced. The Rams, as I've said all week, have six or seven Hall of Famers on this roster that the only thing that they're looking for to boost their already incredible resumes would be a Super Bowl ring. But the Rams don't have Joe Burrow. The Rams have a Hall of Fame quarterback who is prone to making mistakes. The Bengals have Joe Burrow. It takes a lot for me to compare a quarterback to Tom Brady, as you heard me do with Burrow in my monologue. And those comparisons are not necessarily physical. Those comparisons are entirely mental. 
The Cincinnati Bengals have a quarterback who, if he goes down 21-3 to the best team in football, does not consider his team down and out. The Cincinnati Bengals have wide receivers who can get past an average secondary once you look past Jalen Ramsey. The Cincinnati Bengals, if they have the ball in the final minute and 30 seconds of regulation on Sunday, are going to march down the field and end the game with a game-winning drive. The Los Angeles Rams might not. If the Rams have the ball in a two-minute drill, Matthew Stafford might make the mistake he made against San Francisco where it was dropped. That mistake is not getting dropped in Super Bowl 56. And so, not only am I saying to take the points, take the Cincinnati Bengals plus the four or plus the four and a half, whatever you're getting, I'm saying that my pick of the week, my pick for Super Bowl 56, is the Cincinnati Bengals to win their first Super Bowl in franchise history. I'm all over Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, LSU North, like I called it a couple weeks ago on this show. The Cincinnati Bengals are winning Super Bowl 56, and I'm on my way to going 4-1 and in Super Bowl predictions when I cover the game. And just like that, not only is episode 57 up, over, and out of here, but Serralo Sports Talk's week-long coverage of Super Bowl 56 live from the Los Angeles Convention Center has concluded. Thank you so much to all of my phenomenal guests this week. Thank you so much to the incredibly talented girlfriend of mine, Monique Jones, who has done phenomenal work on set, behind the camera. I know this girl's used to being on camera with everything she does, but she has made me look good all week, and I will forever be in her debt for the work that she's done. And finally, thank you to you all for following me along on this journey for not just this week, not just this year, but the past five years. All of the content I create is for you guys. Thank you so much. Go bet on the Bengals, and I'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.